I don't know if y'all have uh, noticed, but it is that time of year, which means it is incredibly hot uh, to the point where it's uh, sometimes insanely hot. Uh, it's also like uh, swimming sometimes when you go outside, especially this year with the amount of rain that we've had, but the humidity is off the charts. And for many of y'all, uh, you know that for the past two years, this will be my third year, uh, I am 88 days away from being in the Grand Canyon to try to attempt going across and coming back in one day. And so it's 88 days from today. And so this time of year, with all the humidity, with all the heat, it is the time that I have to kind of train the most and kind of buckle down on those things. And it is one of those times as well as not only are you kind of adding mileage, you're beginning to think a lot about preparing for going through the Grand Canyon. And when you run a long ways, one of the big things you have to kind of process uh, that's really important is nutrition. Nutrition is incredibly important. Last December, my friend Chris, he decided at uh, some point last year, but he decided to do a 100 miler. So he signed up for the Blood Rock 100, which is at Oak Mountain State Park, 100 miles, and you have to finish it in like 40 something hours. And so what they do, um, y'all probably don't know a whole lot about 100 mile races because you've probably never really thought about looking into it. But one of the things that they uh, tell you with a 100 mile race is once you get to mile 50, you are allowed to pick up what they call a pacer. And the goal of the pacer is that that's to pick up somebody. This person isn't getting a medal. They're not getting a t-shirt. They're getting nothing other than this person has volunteered to be with you during some of that mileage. And so Chris lined up two pacers. So at mile 50, I picked him up, which was about three o'clock in the morning. He needed to sleep for about an hour. So he crawled in the back of my van and slept for an hour because he'd been going since noon the day before. So we got on the trail about 4 a.m. He was 50 miles in. So I paced him from mile 50 to mile 75. And then another friend of ours, Brett, picked him up from 75 to mile 100. And so it was a Saturday morning, four o'clock in the morning. We're on the trail and I'm his... What, what they call a pacer. And the reason I use quotation marks is it wasn't so much of me trying to like keep him on a certain pace, but what it really was, was I became his calorie police. Now, again, y'all probably don't know some of these mechanics, but your body has two states, work and rest. Y'all probably know that. You're either working or you're resting. And when it comes to working, your body can really only absorb about 250 calories per hour. And that's just, that's a hard, pretty much a hard number. You can train your body to take in a little bit more, but that's pretty much a hard number. So my goal is every hour to make sure Chris is consuming 250 calories because he's burning about 700 to 800 calories. And he's been going for a while. So I have to keep making sure he's doing this. So every hour I'm tracking in my head what he's eaten, how many calories that is, and I'm continually pushing food on him. Here, take this. I don't want that. Okay, well, what about peanut butter pretzels? Well, those sound kind of good. Here, take So my backpack is just full of random foods that I'm pulling out the whole time to make sure he's getting his 250 calories. Because the problem is, if he takes 50 calories this hour, next hour he can't take 450. Like, you either get your 250 in or you don't. So that's, that's kind of what you become. I'm the calorie police. So the whole time, it's, it's all about nutrition. Chris is fit. Chris is able to do this. The weather, it's December in Alabama. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's the, what we dream of. Uh, it was, I mean, it was just absolutely wonderful out. But if he messes up the nutrition, or if I mess up his nutrition, he's out. Because if you don't eat, 
you don't have the right nutrition, it doesn't matter what, what shape you're in, you're done. And so the whole time, I'm just doing that. What have you eaten? And I'm tracking it, giving him more food. I've been thinking about that this week, one, because I'm getting ready for the Grand Canyon. But the other thing is, is I've been thinking about a passage in Hebrews that there's a passage that we know pretty well, uh, we, we've talked about before, but Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that easily, easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." Emily, flick back to verse one there, because there's a verse, there's a, a statement there. The very last sentence, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is, is, this, is this is what we are doing in the Christian faith. The writer of Hebrews tells us you're running a race and you need to run with endurance. But this morning, what I want to talk to you about is in order for you to run that race, you have to take in the proper nutrition. You can say, pastor, I've been at this Christian thing for years. I know how to do it. I'm fit. I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. But if you're not taking in the right nutrition, you won't make it, period. The writer of Hebrews even gives us a clue to what that nutrition is in the very next sentence. Look at what he says in verse two. How do you, how, what is that nutrition? Keeping your eyes where? On Jesus. How do we do this nutrition? What are the things that we should be taking into our bodies? What are the things that are going to keep us moving? It's Jesus. It's, it's that simple. And so the passage I want to look at today, this is where I kind of want you to be thinking about because we're going to look at John chapter 14. And I think John chapter 14 might be one of the clearest passages that says where Jesus, and I've talked to y'all about this before, but these last couple chapters or these particular chapters in John, what is going on is Jesus is about to be crucified and Jesus says, this, this is kind of me saying this, but Jesus says, all right, I got two chapters really three if we count the high priestly prayer. I've got two chapters to make sure you know everything. This is what I wanna make sure before I'm crucified, I want to make sure that you know some things. And he, I got two chapters to do it, which he probably said a whole lot more than two chapters worth, but here's the two chapters to tell you, this is what you need to know. So chapter 14 is one of those chapters, the first of those, of those chapters. But chapter 14, there's, there's a lot going on. We're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to spare you that, but it's worth reading. So what I thought I would do, though, is kind of give you more of an outline. Okay, so you can look at the outline, then we're going to look at a specific passage. But what I want you to, to see is, if we are running this race and we need this nutrition, what does that nutrition look like? And I think what the nutrition looks like is it goes back to what we've been kind of talking about over the past couple of months. It goes back to the promises of God. And so these, these statements or this outline goes back, if you try to go through, and I did it this week, go through this chapter and highlight everywhere where Jesus says, I will, or my father will, I will do this. 
My father will do this. The Holy Spirit will do this. He keeps saying over and over, this is what God's going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. It's will, 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 will. So I want you to see that. So the outline I've kind of tried to design somewhat in that. So verses one through nine, he makes this promise to us. I will come again. This is the, in my, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. There are many rooms. That's this passage. One through nine, I will come again. Verses eight through 11, or not one through nine, one through seven. Verses eight through 11, uh, Jesus reveals the father uh, in that passage. Then we can continue on in the, the passage and the revealing the father. That's the, the, one of the primary passage of, if you want to know what God looks like, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen God, if you've seen, and so he goes to that whole passage. The next piece, ask in my name, and what will Jesus do? I will do it, verses 12, 13, and 14. Then 15, 16, and 17, I will ask the father, and he will give you another counselor. Verse 18 through 26, I will not leave you as orphans, which we're going to come back to that. And then the very end of the chapter, peace, I will leave with you for those last ones. So these are the promises or just kind of a, a summary of the promises we see in that chapter. So let's go through and I want to just read with you uh, verses 15 down through uh, 26. So if you've got your Bibles, John chapter 14, 15 through 26. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now just remember, where were we last week? The great commission. How does the great commission end? Anybody remember? What's the very last line of the great commission? Some of you are going through it in your head right now. Teaching them to observe everything I commanded you and remember I am with you always even to the end of the age. So Jesus here says, uh, sorry, I got the wrong verse. Uh, and I will ask the father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So we're back to that same, the same theme. Verse 17, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because he it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live too. But on, on that day, you will know that I am in my father and that you are in me and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by his father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. The one who does not love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's the father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. When I was in college, uh, one of the big conversations that was going on was a issue uh, with what was back then we called post-modernity. And I've, I've used this as an example before talking about kind of 
relativism and truth and some of those things. But with postmodernity, one, one of the big questions that they kept talking about was this big term. And the big term was the word meta-narrative. The word meta-narrative is, you kind of break it into two pieces. There's narrative, which is story, and there's meta, which is what? Big. So big story. And so the question that was being asked, uh, kind of dealing with these issues was, what, what are the big stories? So what are the big stories of history? What are the big things that kind of shape all of history? And when it comes to biblical studies, the big question was, if you were to take the Bible, the entire Bible, and ask the question, what is the big story? What is the meta-narrative? If we were to boil the Bible down to one sentence and say, what is the one story that this story, that this book is telling, what would that be? And I can remember sitting in class, the professor was a guy named Henry Spaulding, who's the president at Mount Vernon now. Dr. Spaulding, I can remember him saying to us that day. And he said, the big story of the Bible is this, that God is continually moving towards his creation. That God is always seeking relationship with you. That every single page of the Bible is telling the exact same story from the garden to the Old Testament, to the prophets, to the Exodus, to Jesus. Every single piece of this is the same story. God seeking relationship with his creation. That is the story of the Bible. That's the story that we tell. That's the story that we read as a God who loves us enough that he seeks us out to find us. And when I read this, this passage, when I've been reading it this week, I keep coming back to that idea that here we have Jesus and Jesus has brought his disciples together. He has gathered them together and he said, okay, these are the things that I want you to know. What I want you to know before I leave you is I'm not actually leaving you. That I'm with you. No matter what happens, no matter what you face, you think I'm leaving you, I'm not leaving you. Matter of fact, the one that's coming after me is even better than I am. When you think you are alone, you aren't alone. I am always with you forever to the end of the age. I am always there with you. Because I leave doesn't mean that God's not going to seek you anymore. He's going to actually seek you a little bit harder Look at the way that he says it. I know we just read this passage, but, but look at the way that he talks about this in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you, you will see me. Well, Pastor, how, that doesn't even make sense. How, how would we see you? Well, you know, at teen camp, when you sit on the porch of the cabin, and Pastor Rob at Huntsville, who went through a stroke, tells you the things that God has done in his life after his stroke, you'll see me. You'll see me because you know me. When Pastor Rob, not to pick on Pastor Rob this morning, when he gets his van stuck in a ditch or in the woods and Richard has to pull him out, you still see Jesus. In, in the times that we worship, 
in the hands that are raised and the tears that are shed, in, in those times, we get to see Jesus. And, and what we learn and what we see is that Jesus says to us, in those moments, you see me in your life. But the problem is that if you didn't know me, you wouldn't see me. You would think they're just people being good. But when you know me, you see it's people living out who I am. And you see me. You see me at VBS. You see me at camp. You see me at church. You see me with the raised hand during a song. You see me in all of those moments. You see me. And so he says to us there in the, the middle of that, you, you, you think I'm leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I am still there with you. And he says, because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my father and that you are in me and that I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by the father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. You see, I think part of the incredible piece of this story and the incredible part that is our nutrition is that as we've been talking about in this series, talking about the Trinity, that our God is a God of relationship and a God who pulls us in together to say, I'm inviting you into the table of what it is to know God. A quote that I ran across uh, this week is from a guy named Thomas uh, Torrance. He writes, the doctrine of the Trinity gives expression to the fact that God has opened himself to us. God draws near to us in such a way as to draw us near to himself. Look at this last line. In the circle of his knowing of himself. That God invites us into, and as we started the first week, as we looked at Rublev's icon, that God invites us into that story, that he invites us into that table to say, I'm, I'm, God, I'm the creator of the universe. I, I am here, but I'm inviting you into this relationship to see that I am with you always. When the times you think I'm not there, I'm there. I am always with you. And the Christian, I think, who runs the race with endurance, the Christian who has that nutrition of focusing on Christ, begins to open up their eyes and to see Jesus. And when we see God working, when we see Christ working, it pushes us a little farther in the race. It gives us those desperate calories that we need. So let's talk about just a couple kind of truths as, well, as I kind of pull this together. One of the first things we see is that the living God is not a solitary God. That the living God is not an isolated God. And that for all eternity, the living God has lived in relationship and as relationship. And again, as we talked about last week, the center of everything is relationship. It, it all goes back to relationship. So last December, when Chris and I were working through uh, those 25 miles that we were together, 
Anytime I wanted to complain, I would think, you know, John, you're at mile 60, or I'm at mile 10, Chris is at mile 60, I need to be quiet. But I would push Chris a couple times, make sure he's eating right. But one of the moments in those 25 miles together that stands out to me the most, we left an aid station, we went up this just nasty hill at Oak Mountain, we get to the top and Chris just collapses. And he's probably, you know, 68 miles in or so, so we're probably 18 for the day. He just collapses. And he's just like, John, I I can't do it. And I was like, what's hurting? What's the problem? Let's talk about these things. He's like, my knee hurts really bad. And Zach had given me some cream that I don't know what it, where it was from. It was from like a witch doctor. No, he had given me some cream that Nikki had gotten from a friend. One of those, and I had it in my bag. And so I pull it out and I'm like, Zach says this is supposed to work. You know, so I'm rubbing it on Chris's knee. And as I'm rubbing this on Chris's knee, I look and he keeps doing this just over and over. And he's been up for 20, you know, he slept two hours in the past, like probably 25, 26 hours. He keeps doing that. And I said, Chris, what are you doing? Stop that. And he said, I'm I'm trying to make sure I've got my right pace. Because every aid station, if you don't make it by a certain time, then then you're done. So he was worried about his time. And so I did the quick math. And I'm like, Chris, you're like three hours ahead of the cutoff. Quit looking at your watch. And he just kept. And I was like, stop it. And I got in his face. And I said, Chris, I'm going to take your watch away from you. We need to get up and we need to keep moving. And we got up. We kept moving. And I, I tell you that part of the story because I think sometimes when we run this race, we, we get really tired. There's some times that we, we don't want to go on. There are times that we have lost hope. There are times that we're hurting. There are times when we don't know what's going to come next. There's times we just keep looking at our watch thinking, is it going to be okay? And sometimes you just need somebody to look you in the eye and to say, you're fine. God is here. God is with you. God is working. And just to look you in the eye and to remind you of truth. That when we read this chapter, we read words in as scary of a world as we live today. And we all thought that 2020 would be over and it would all be better. And sometimes we just need to hear Jesus look you in the eye and say, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not These aren't words I made up. They're in your Bible. I do not give you as the, I do not give you peace as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Do you hear that? And sometimes we just need to be reminded. We just need to be told the truth. We just need to have the nutrition that actually gets us to the next aid station, that pushes us a little farther. And that nutrition is a nutrition that that Jesus would say, this is what I gave you. Why aren't you taking this in? Why do you refuse to come back to me? Why do you refuse to look at me when you're hurt, when you're lost, when you're confused, when when you think you're alone, which I keep telling you, you're not. Come back to me. Come back 
to what is true. And so this morning in closing, there's a kind of a a prayer that I want us to read. I'll read it first and then I think I'm going to have us all read it. Uh, I've been trying to decide if I'm going to do that. I just decided we are. So hear, hear these words. This is the 68 miles into the race. That doesn't mean you're 68 years old. 68 miles into the race. This is sometimes the truth that you just need to hear. The God who is love draws near to me. A sinful mortal, mortal. He does this to draw me near to himself. To draw me near within the circle of the beloved. The very reason for my existence is to be brought into this Trinitarian relationship, to be brought into the table. It is here that we find what fills us, our nutrition. Guys, part of the problem is sometimes we think our nutrition, we think what fills us is outside of who God is. That's the whole point of the sermon if you haven't got it. We fill ourselves with all of these other things. We fill ourselves with other relationships. We fill ourselves with work. We fill ourselves with a busy schedule. We fill ourselves with food. We fill ourselves with materials. We fill fill ourselves with all this other stuff. And what I hope you hear this morning is there is a God who says, there's only one thing to fill yourself with. It's, It's this relationship. The relationship that is at the center of everything. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If if you do all this other nutrition, this other stuff, it's not going to fill you. It's not going to give you the endurance to finish the race. It's, It's not. What gives you that endurance is found in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So let's read this together. Can we do that? I'll try to do it without crying so we can keep moving. All right. The God who is love draws near to me, a sinful mortal. He does this to draw me near to himself, to draw me within the circle of the beloved. The very reason for my existence is to be brought into this Trinitarian relationship. It is here that we find what fills us our nutrition. This morning, John's gonna come and lead us in a song that we, most of us probably know pretty well, but a song that has a simple invitation of come to the altar. If, if you're somebody that says, John, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I've, I've filled myself with this other stuff, Today is an opportunity to say, I need to fill myself with what matters. I need to live out that prayer. I need to come to the one who can actually fill me, who can actually give me the nutrition that I need to run the race, to finish the race. The one who can look me in the eye and be honest with me and tell me this other stuff doesn't work. It's Jesus. It's the Trinity, it's life. 
And this morning as we sing, I just wanna invite you, if you wanna come and just find a place to, to kneel and to say, Lord, I, I've filled myself with other things, they don't work. I need to fill myself with you. Let us stand.